Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. They just love to learn And another child grows up to be Somebody you just love to burn Mom loves the both of them You see it's in the blood Both kids are good and bomb Blood's thicker than the mud It's a family affair Y'all still in church? We're still in church. Amen. I don't know why church folk act like they don't remember music, good music like that. <laughs> good music. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your acknowledgement of our uh, anniversary and uh, Lady Judy's birthday. Uh, I just express her appreciation and my appreciation to you all. Sometimes you wonder what the, what the pastor's wife's job is. Well, she have a job that no other woman can do. I'm just going to leave it right there. Amen. That's her ministry. Amen. And she has the anointing. Praise God. It's a family affair. Amen. You know, that uh, uh, song really um, kicks off uh, just the spirit of, of family and family reunions on yesterday and Friday this weekend. Uh, my family on my mother's side gathered together uh, for a family reunion. And uh, some of them uh, are traveling even right now, going back to Mississippi and back to Georgia. Some will be here for the 11 o'clock service. Uh, so I ask you all, just keep them in prayer. Uh, and uh, as you pray for all families who are here, um, family relationships are so important. You know, when God created the heaven and the earth, uh, he put Adam in a family. He designed us to live together in family. Family are the highest form of relationship that you can have. Uh, 
I know we love and sometimes value the people that we work with, uh, the people that might be on our team, the people that might be in our neighborhood or even in our church, but family is the highest order of relationship. It's the most important bond that we have. And one of the key lyrics uh, verses from this song, uh, It's a Family Affair, says that blood is thicker than the mud. Anybody ever heard that saying? Blood is thicker than the mud. Well, I want to try to break that down today uh, and explain what that really means from a biblical uh, perspective. There are two types of brothers that uh, that's, that uh, phrase refers to. The first one are blood brothers. Now, blood brothers are the ones that are born into our family. We share the same blood. We share the same DNA. And uh, there is a natural sense of loyalty a natural sense of bondedness and connection that comes by being blood brothers. Um, we don't get to choose who our blood brothers are, right? God chooses that. God sets us in the family that he has designed. I'm talking about brothers and sisters now. I'm not leaving the ladies out. Uh, but it is by his sovereignty, which means that God does what he wants to do because he's wise and he's God. God determines which family we will be in. In Psalm 68 and verse 6, the Bible says that God places the single or the lonely in families. So God does not want us to dwell alone. He places us in a family. And he puts us in a place where we have blood family and it's thicker than the mud. What does that mean to have a mud brother? You not only have blood brothers, but we have mud brothers. Mud brothers are those people that are willing to get down and dirty with you. They're willing to crawl in the mud and scrap with you, and fight for you, and they, they have your back. You are blessed if you have not only blood, but if you have some mud folks in your life. There's a heart connection with those people who are your mud brothers. Uh, it's often said that those who are in the military, uh, when, they, when they are deployed, they get that sense of the mud brother effect. Not blood brother, but the mud, because they're watching one another's back. They're depending on each other. There's a connection. And oftentimes when they come back stateside or they come back with their own blood family, they miss their blood brothers. They would oftentimes want to go back there because they miss that sense of connectedness. But there are times, whether you have blood brothers or mud brothers, that there can be division. There can be conflict and animosity. Even though you got the same father and the, or the same mother, you have that connection through blood or through mud. Jesus says you're always going to have conflict. There's no guarantee that you will always be close with those who are your brothers. All we have to do is look at the first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis, in chapter 4, and right after the family of Adam and Eve was created, we next see that there was the first murder in the Bible where the older brother Cain rose up and killed his younger brother Abel. That's a reality. And then we turn a few pages to the right and we come to the story of Joseph and his brothers. They had the same father but different mothers. And the brothers of Joseph didn't like him. They hated him, in fact. In fact, they plotted to kill him but instead of killing him they sold him into slavery 
If we go to the New Testament, we find out about the story of Jesus and his family and how his own brothers didn't believe that he was the Messiah. But I want to submit this to you all today, that there's a higher family relationship. There's a closer bond that you can experience even beyond a blood brother or a mud brother. It's a relationship that is only established through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a bond that transcends the blood that mom and daddy gave us or a bond that's closer to a brother who's, who's aligned with you in, in war or in battle. And it's the bond that's established by the power of the Holy Spirit. Family is eternal. You won't ever be able, I mean, you can legally change your name, but that doesn't change your blood. You're still going to be related to those blood folks. You may not always work with somebody or always be in war with somebody, but I'm telling you this, that when you have a bond with somebody in the spirit and the blood of Jesus is not flowing through your veins, but flowing through your spirit, it brings us together with fellow believers whether they're red, yellow, black, white, brown, male, female, young or old, regardless of what language they speak, what culture they are aligned to, we have a common destiny. Regardless of your church affiliation, regardless of your status in a religious organization, regardless of, of whether you believe women should wear pants or, or, or skirts, or whether women should preach or not, I'm telling you, the bond that is established when we are baptized into the family of God, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is in us all and through all. It's a, hev a heavenly family. And one day there's going to be a great family reunion. Come on, Mom and them are already up there waiting for us. And Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. For we know, we know that if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so, those which are asleep in him, Jesus will bring with him. For this we say by the word of God, that we who are alive and remain, until the coming of the Lord, we shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we forever be with the Lord. That sounds like a family reunion to me. That sounds like some Cupid shuffle and some electric slide and some family affair and some Frankie Beverly and Mays or whatever else you all like to play at your family reunion. So it is a family affair. As the great prophet Al Green said, let's stay together, y'all, right? It's a family affair. I want to share, you, share with you a, uh, a core scripture for this morning's message. It's found in uh, Mark chapter 3. Uh, it's a story that illustrates the greater relationship that we have that is even stronger than blood or stronger than mud with those who are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 3, verse 31, it says that then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. 
Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Let me give you some background from this this text. Jesus had returned to his hometown of Capernaum. We all know the, the Christmas story of Jesus, of how he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. He was raised in this town called Capernaum. And so Jesus went back to the old neighborhood where he had a nickname. Now, I got a nickname, and you got a nickname too, right? I ain't asking you to say it, but you know what it is. When you go back to the neighborhood, that's what they're going to call you. Guess what? At the family reunion yesterday, they weren't calling me Bishop. It was calling me my nickname because I, I had gone back to the neighborhood. It's a place of familiarity, which is where we get the word family. So they were familiar. They were comfortable with Jesus. They knew him when he had grown up. They knew his mother. They knew his father. They knew his brothers. He had gone back to his hometown. Now, upon his arrival... He went into a house and a great crowd gathered inside the house, but also outside the house because Jesus was preaching and he was healing the sick and he was casting out demons and doing miracles. And the crowd was was so thick around him that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. There was that much ministry that was going on. But the scripture in, in Mark 3, you can read it on your own. Uh, the entire chapter says that Jesus' closest friends and his kinfolk, his family, also came to see about him. They were deeply concerned because, wait a minute, this is, this is Jesus. We, we grew up with him. What is he doing calling himself the Messiah? We don't know him as that. We know him as Lil J or PJ or whatever he might have been. He's calling himself the Messiah. He's, he's doing miracles. Something must be wrong. And he's not eating too. You remember how that little boy used to eat? He's turning down food. Something must be wrong with him. We need to go and see about him. And besides his family concerned about him, in Mark chapter 3, there were a crowd of religious leaders. The Bible called them scribes who were those who were experts in the law. They charged Jesus with being possessed by the devil himself, the the prince of demons, Beelzebub. And Jesus says something to them. He says, listen, a house divided against itself will not stand. That applies to us as as church family, because we're mud brothers. We're blood brothers and and also blood in the spirit. But Jesus was, was so focused on his mission that he didn't even allow the religious people to discourage him. He didn't allow his family to discourage him. But his family had assumed that Jesus had lost his mind. He must be crazy. So Mary, like any good mother, goes to check on her baby. She did a welfare check on him. She, need, she wanted to find out for herself, do I need to commit my son for psychiatric care? So she and she took Jesus's half brothers along with her. And these were brothers who were born. They had the same mother, but a different father (laughs) because their father was Joseph. But Jesus's father was the heavenly father. Y'all going to catch that later. (laughs) They had they were half brothers. They didn't believe in him. So they all came with Mary stood in the outer courtyard in the house that was in the city of Capernaum 
and they wanted Jesus to come out. Now, this, this brings me to the conclusion that people in the world, and even some of us that are here today, we have either one of three opinions of who Jesus is. You either believe that Jesus is Lord, or you believe he's a liar, or you believe he's a lunatic. They thought Jesus was a lunatic. They thought he had lost his mind. The scribes and religious leaders thought he was a liar, but those who put their faith and trust in him declared that he was Lord. Who do you say he is? So they sent a messenger inside because they couldn't get into the house and they said, tell Jesus that his mother and his brothers are out here. We want to talk to him. The messenger came and brought the message to Jesus as he was in a crowd of people. And Jesus just turned to the people who were there in front of him and asked the question and said, who is my brother? Who is my sister? Who is my mother? It's those who do the will of my father in heaven. And so what he's doing is that he's not diminishing. He's not throwing away your blood family, because they, they, they're important. We, we got to love one another. And Jesus does that. He, he, even when he was a child, he, he submitted himself to his earthly mother and earthly father. In Luke chapter 2, it talks about how they left him at age 12 in Jerusalem. And when they found him, Jesus says, why you look for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house and about my father's business? But after that, he submitted himself to his, to their, his parents which is an important lesson for those of us who are under, under age. You're still, uh, you're not quite grown. You are responsible for submitting yourself to your parents. Now, when you're grown, you ain't got to submit to them, but you got to still honor them. So he's not throwing away any respect for his blood parents. In fact, in the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 22, Moses picks this up and then Jesus picks it up also in Mark 7 where he says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And my daddy, when we were growing up, he wasn't much into church, but he didn't know this scripture, but he just would say, listen, I brought you in and I can also take you out. So that was his way of translating this scripture, right? So if you want to live long on the earth, okay, I got you, daddy. I got you. Ain't much scripture, but I got you. I got you. I understand, saying that we ought to honor our mother and father. You know, one of the greatest privileges that we have is the privilege of taking care of our parents when they are, when they get older. Some of you are doing that right now. Some of you have done that. And I encourage you, if you get an opportunity, don't pass it up. Don't pass it up. That, that is a blessing from God. And I, I, can we just celebrate and thank God for those who are in that caregiving role right now. Your parents took care of you and now you're taking care of them. Even when Jesus was on the cross, he cared for his mother. So he's not throwing away the blood relationships. In John chapter 19, he saw his mother standing at the foot of the cross and he said to his mother, he said, woman, behold your son, which he was speaking about John, his disciple. And he said to John, John, behold your mother. And the scripture says from that hour, John took Mary into his own home and he began to care for her. So he loved his mother. He loved and submitted to his father and he encourages us to do the same thing, but he also loved his 
his mud brothers. He loved those 12 disciples, even Judas, until the end. But in asking that question, who is my mother, who is my brother, who are my sisters, he's stating that there is a, he, there is a level of relationship that's even thicker than the blood. Now it's true that blood is thicker than the mud, but the blood of Jesus is thicker than your and my blood. We're connected to one another. It's a relationship that has been established in the spirit and we become a part of God's family. And Jesus says, this is how you demonstrate if you're in the family of God. You do the will of his father. That's the proof. It's not what you say, it's what you do. Let me, let me make a deeper application about this, this message. All three family types, regardless of whether it's blood, mud, or spiritual family, are going to deal with family conflict. There are going to be parents against children. And that's, that's, that's a reality today. There are some parents that are not speaking to their children. There's conflict of children against parents and some children who refuse to talk to their parents they're going to be sisters against sisters brothers against brothers don't look at nobody just keep looking at me because I know it's in the house today they're members against pastors leaders against leaders churches against churches Classmates against classmates, co-workers who can't speak to each other. Steve Harvey could, uh, he could just come up here today and say, on this side, we got this family. On that side, we got family feud right here today. It goes on all the time. And it happens because of certain family dynamics. Sometimes the dynamics change. Sometimes there are tragic events when the death of a loved one occurs. When we're, in, when, when we're under pressure, that's when we really reveal who we are. We reveal our hearts. Sometime when mama die or daddy die, folks start fighting over the house. They fight over the car. They fight over the life insurance policy. Or they just, they just fight over the obituary. You misspelled my name. You, you left my grandson's name out of the obituary. And, and you're not speaking to each other anymore. Sometimes we feud because of personalities. Some people just have different personalities. I call them uh, EGR people. Extra grace required people. You know, you love everybody, but some folks, when you see them coming, you're like, Lord, help me right now. You're right? You're just asking for just a little bit more grace, right? Extra grace EGR people. And all of these things, they lead to conflict. And the reason that we're always going to have conflict is, guess what? We're all sinners. We're all human. I'm not talking about we're living a lifestyle of sin. I'm talking about our nature. I'm talking about our weakness. I'm talking about the fact that, come on, we, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? We all live, we're all flesh and blood, and so when you bring who you are into a relationship and I bring who I am into a relationship, at some point we're going to disagree. 
some point we're going to have conflict. But there are several things that a relationship must have in order to survive. First of all, family cannot survive without peace and unity. Cannot survive without peace and unity. Families die in the presence of strife. They die in the presence of division and jealousy and revenge and bitterness and insecurity and pettiness. They can only live in the presence of peace and unity. In fact, Jesus in this Mark chapter 3 said, a house divided against itself will not stand. Paul picks this up in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I'm speaking this over some families today. Peace and unity. I'm speaking that we would be uh, peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. The sons of God are peaceful. But Paul picks up in, in one of his letters, he says, mark those who cause division. And I don't know about you, but I think every family got somebody just goes around causing strife. Don't look at nobody, just keep looking at me because your family might be here. Mark those that cause division. Say, watch out for that one right there. They're disturbing the peace. We got to have peace and unity. Family or any other relationship cannot survive, number two, without honor and appreciation. Honor and appreciation. We have to honor our mother and father, Exodus 20 and 12 tells us, so that you may live long in the land that your God is giving you. We have to not only honor mother and father, but I pray that God would help us to, to just learn how to walk in honor and respect with other people. You really can't receive blessings from people that you do not respect and appreciate in honor. The people that we don't have honor or appreciation for, we cut them off in the middle of the sentences. We turn our back on them. We stop listening to them. And it's not just the children, you know, because children used to think you were the smartest people in the world until they turn about 12 or 13 or 14, and all of a sudden you just lost all your sense. You don't know nothing, Daddy. You don't know nothing, Mama, right? They're losing that sense of honor. They're losing that sense of appreciation. And so now it's hard to receive from anybody that you do not honor. So I challenge us to, to just begin to to begin to honor each other in our relationships, whether it's a blood, mud, and even our spiritual relationships as brothers and sisters in the family of God. Number three, family nor any other relationship can survive without humility and patience. Humility and patience. I'm going to tell you one of the things that, that will make you humble is every day if you just remember your flesh and blood too that you make mistakes, that you are not infallible, that you sin sometimes, that we're all human and subject to error. That ought to humble us. And what it should do is that it should put us in a posture where 
Luke 6.31 says that we should do unto others as we would have them do to you. So treat people the way you would want them to treat you. When you make a mistake, how do you want people to treat you? So treat them that way. Walk in humility and walk in patience. Be patient with one another because God's not through with you and he's certainly not through with me. And finally, none of us can have relationships survive without forgiveness. Colossians 3 and 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. That's another one. We need love. Kindness, that's, a, that's another one. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. If any of you has a grievance with anyone, I'm going to just ask you right now, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And um, musicians, come back for a moment. Just begin to play softly. As your eyes are closed, if any of you has a grievance against someone, if that word is speaking to you, you have a grievance against someone. The scripture is forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's no hurt and there's no pain and there's no betrayal quite like that which comes from a family member from a blood member or a spiritual family member because that those are perhaps the closest bonds that we could ever experience. And I want to let you know that Jesus, he could identify with you because he was rejected by his own family. It was, it was, it was painful that he was rejected by the religious leaders, but listen, when your own family shows up and they think you're crazy, and they think you're not who you say you are and you're not real, that hurts. But he turned to his spiritual family and said, those who do the will of my father, that's my real family. It is a family affair. We're all in this together. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.